The reading that this sermon is based off of is from the book of Romans. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray one final time. <laughs> uh, remind us each morning, Lord Jesus, that nothing can separate us from you who have called us your own in baptism. Amen. So, I, I simply cannot believe that it's already been an entire year. Because it seems like I'm waking up just this morning to preach my first sermon last August. And uh, I don't know if you remember that. I mean, I've changed so much since then. I've, I've gotten so big and tall. And... <laughs> but there's something else that strikes me. It's, I remember my first sermon. It was me trying to be edgy. It was me saying, my first sermon, I'm going to preach about sanctification on my vicarage, and I'm going to have all these allegories and metaphors about, like, pizza. And what that did was lead to one of the only things that I regret in the last year. It was demeaning jokes about Emo's pizza. <laughs> Little did I know that there was going to be this thing called quarantine in the spring, and then it would turn into summer, and one of the only comfort foods... I would have would be Emo's Pizza. <laughs> Food has a unique way of working with the human mind and spirit. The, the smells, the experiences, the tastes, the people you're eating with, they have this tricky way of enmeshing itself with 
all those fond memories and experiences that you have, like Thanksgiving dinner, special desserts from mom, and of course, tapas night here at Village. But certain foods just are comfort foods. No matter how you're feeling or what you're going through, you can count on them to bring you right back to that feeling of contentment. Maybe a simpler time. And yeah, there are different ranks of comfort foods. Pizza hits the spot, but after a long year at college, being away, stress, walking in the front door of your own home, sleeping in your own bed, and mom giving you her chicken pot pie, that's comfort food. Certain scriptures are like this. The gospel, of course, is like this. It's comfort food. And oftentimes we need comfort foods during stressful times, during big changes in our lives. And let me tell you, the world Paul was living in needed comfort food when he wrote this letter to us today. For one thing, his own actions had led to the arrest and then death of so many Christians and created unrest in the church and even the world. And while his conversion brought a lot of that to an end, peace to the realm, so to speak, for a little bit of time, all that persecution from outside the church, all of the quarreling, the arguments, the fights within the church came right back quick, and they've stayed. But Paul would go to a city for weeks, maybe months, maybe years, and then he'd have to keep moving on to do Jesus' work. I can only imagine how heartbreaking it was for him when he writes that when he had to leave the Ephesians, they all just kind of silently stood there, hugged, and cried. But just a, good, just a goodbye Paul could manage. And he got good at saying goodbye. I think it's one of the skills you have to learn in the pastoral office. Maybe I can learn that from Paul as this timeless spiritual vicarage supervisor to a young future pastor, how to say goodbye. But one thing I'm sure he never got used to was all of his friends and co-workers for Christ being arrested, tortured, and killed far away, alone from him, and for a message that he's responsible for bringing to their ears. This is always going to be the biggest obstacle for us trying to put ourselves into the world of the apostles, the reality of persecution. But those hard times, they created strong Christians. And because of those hard times and those strong Christians, we now have the lasting scriptures that have become the comfort foods for us today. Now, oftentimes we get lots and lots of just raw, unbridled law from the epistles, especially from Romans. But the Romans reading today is different. Instead, it's one of great hope. It's one of total assurance of victory that Jesus Christ is Lord and victor over the forces of evil in this often dismal world. Paul knew that he would constantly be broken away from people he loved and cared for, often by violence and death. And that saddened him, but it didn't lead him to despair. Because out of that fear and trembling come comforting words like these in the epistle that I have the privilege and the opportunity to share with you in a unique position from up here. 
The message that even though Paul, Christians, friends were being torn from each other, we know that for those who love God, and all, that all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And that if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all good things? Comfort food. Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that, the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us right now. Comfort food. These are words that have given pastors for centuries the hope to leave their extended families to go all these miles to St. Louis or Fort Wayne and embark on Christ's mission across the country and the globe. They knew that whether through God's provision on earth or in heaven one day, they would get to see each other again. These are words that have allowed Christians to be persecuted, crucified for 2,000 years, that there would be a Christian church always to care for their wife, for their orphans, and that they would all be united one day in communion, in eternal life. These words, that Jesus has declared you righteous, and because of that, you will be glorified in heaven. And we will all see each other there one day. Now, this is my final sermon as vicar here at Village Lutheran Church. And it hurts so bad to say goodbye. Because you've all taught me so much. I, I'll... I'll never forget the first family education night when, you know, I was fresh off of tasting all these like super spicy hot sauces and I was literally purple and sweating and because I wanted to impress all these dads that I, you know, I look up to and have taught me so much about being a father. But I remember, I don't know if it was pastor or, or whomever came up to me and said, hey, Dan, uh, something that's important that you're going to have to do here as vicar is uh, we need you to chant tonight Compline service. And I remember going up to Christian Belke and being like, Christian, I've never even participated in Compline service. And uh, I still did it. Dove off that high dive into the deep end, and I chanted Compline service, and then I did it again the next week, and it was a little bit better. I did it again the next week, and it was a little bit better, and I did it again and again and again, and now, forever, Compline will be comfort, food to me. And I'll never forget the first time Pastor was away from Village. I think it was one of the first weeks, actually, and... From early on, even, I remember missing him dearly up there because he was my supervisor. And then he became my pastor. And then he became my mentor. And finally, he became my buddy. And I'll... <clears throat> I'll 
He blesses you so much with his ministry. And I look forward to a long-lasting friendship in ministry. And finally, the Christmas Eve service. Uh, when I was reading the John 1 reading, and I realized all of a sudden it hit me that I'm halfway through. It's going to be over. And I started to tear up. Or even the quarantine now. Nothing that we, anyone here could have predicted. It's kept us from seeing each other the way we should be as a Christian church. From taking communion together out of a common cup. Or having ice cream socials in the parking lot. Or playing banjo with the president of the synod. In fact, I'm going to admit something that's kind of selfish of me. I really, really, really wanted my big brother to come to fly down from South Carolina with his wife and come see me preach my last sermon and to look up at him and hear how proud he was of me. But because of the consequences of sin, because of disease, we're being kept apart right now. And I know that Satan is trying his hardest to separate all sorts of people across the nation and globe. But we're written to, in the epistle today, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's distance, famine, quarantine, circumstance, tribulation, distress. Any of those things going to separate us from the love of Christ? A resounding no. Nothing. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the comfort food today. I've been proclaiming this message to you over the past year, but you guys have been proclaiming it to me as well. Village has become my comfort food. The building... The smell of the chancel flowers as we're chanting the liturgy and I'm looking at my feet at the only white and black tile I've ever seen in the church. <laughs> it makes me feel relaxed, like I'm at home. And it will always make me feel like I'm home and that I'm welcome. I've internalized this beautiful golden image of Christ ascending into heaven while blessing us. Right onto my heart. I've been staring at it as I've chanted, learned to chant for the first time. While I've heard pastor and internalized how he has chanted the words of institution. And heard all of your voices in the hymns. All of these elements of that liturgy that we've been doing, law, gospel, confession, absolution, the forgiveness of sins, they've all made themselves permanent habits and inhabitants of my heart. And those habits of worship, they've taught me what it means to be a practicing Lutheran, both here in church and out there in the week when I'm talking to other people. It's a comfort food that doesn't make me reminisce about good times gone or lost. 
It's a comfort food that helps me focus on the eternal present where the resurrected Christ lives and redeems. But how is this a comfort food that is different from others? How is it pointing to the present? How does it fill up and keep you full while everything else seems to be messages that are processed and junk food? Because this comfort food, Village Lutheran Church, is centered in the gospel. And the words of the gospel point us outside of ourselves, outside of our emotions, and towards God's grace in ordinary words and things. Because man doesn't live by bread alone, right? But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Christ is the bread of life. He's the eternal spring of water. And whoever comes to him will never be hungry again. And whoever believes in him will never be thirsty again. And oh yeah, he will raise you up on the last day. I love telling you words like these. It's my favorite thing to do. And it's become a part of who I am over the past year. I enjoy being in community with you so much that, you know what, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'm going to keep on taking communion with you all for the rest of my life. No matter where I am or what time I'm doing it. That's right. We've been communing together at this table for the last year where we've been confessing the same beliefs and doctrine as well as receiving the same body and blood of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. So let's continue doing that, no matter where we're receiving it or when. Because we are all receiving the same comfort foods each week in the Word. The good news, instruction, singing hymns together, worshiping Lord Jesus, remembering our baptisms, receiving the body and blood, the bread and the wine, Because it creates something that no one can separate. Because we are made one in the body of Christ. Because Paul actually talks about it as participating in the body and blood of Christ. This is the unitive, life-giving power that has led Christians smiling to their martyrdoms for 2,000 years. Because it's the same power that rose Jesus, Christ from the grave... And it will always, inseparably, hold us together. Amen.